suck. You have a 12-year-old. You should not have crumbs. Can we just point that out? I have a two-year-old. I have, I'm drowning in crumbs. You know what? I will say this. I think that the crumbs actually are not about the 12-year-old. The crumbs are about me. (laughs) (laughs) Though she has her own crumbs. Um. What happens when two boss women link up for sisterhood and perspective? The School for Disruptors, a weekly podcast hosted by Dr. Kimberly McLaughlin and Dr. Sarah Goolish. This dope digital space is dedicated to vulnerable conversations about self-awareness, self-definition, and of course, all kinds of disruption. Listen as we inspire each other, and we hope you. Success, the accomplishment of an aim or purpose, the attainment of popularity or profit. You know, I think about um, everything about this, particularly like the, the pandemic and this dumbass situation politically that we have to endure and and how exhausting it is. I've been thinking about that a lot. And I also am thinking about being 40 and the confluence of all of those things at the same time and figuring out how am I going to define what makes me feel successful because I, I I don't know and I think this is a question is success a feeling is it a place what what actually is this notion of success yeah I thought about it a lot when I was playing in a band in my 20s hey. <laughs> and so I the metric kept changing mm-hmm. and I think when we're young we have this idea that once or maybe even when we're old maybe I still have this idea mm-hmm. that once we reach something that it'll all, that we won't stop striving or or that it'll feel complete and whole and we'll be there. And it doesn't happen. You just have a new goal to reach. Um, But I remember thinking that with the band where if we can just get this type of show, we'll have made it. And then we'd get that show and we didn't feel any different. (laughs) No, like what did that even mean? Did that mean anything? So what about now? In what area of my life? (laughs) And I I do, I think that that's real. I think that it probably looks differently in different directions, right? Like success as a parent will be named as one thing. And I think that I I can speak about that in particular, because I think about that too, particularly given this pandemic, I feel like my daughter is so self-reliant and because she's self-reliant at 12, I feel like I'm a successful parent. Like that for me is like, okay, you're going to be okay when you're not with me. You're going to be okay when I'm not able to physically be with you when I transition. And so when it comes to parenting, I really feel like I'm, I'm just, I'm Gucci. Like I feel like I have, <laughs> I well, have climbed the mountaintop. And hearing that with really young kids, I can't even imagine that, you know, right, right, I'm right. just like, they need me to take care of every need. Right. So I hope that someday. I hope someday that you you feel that way about all three of them. Like each of them is individuals. Yeah. Um, And I think the beautiful thing will be them being not only just self-reliant, but I would imagine as a mom, it would make me feel really good if they could form a sense of obvious reliance on each other. Right. Because I think that that is the sign of a functional and successful family dynamic. Mm -hmm. If everyone feels like they are in a flow when it comes to being able to depend on each other. Yeah. I like that. Um, do you want to hear what we pray for them every night? Yes. When I think about success. Yes. So I started doing this when my first son was little. When you he did was more baby. than one son? It, you're right. <laughs> I have one son. When my only son, my first child, yes, my only first son. first child. I, and I think I pray this for him because it's what I struggle with. And so Isn't I don't. It's so interesting how we do that as parents. 
Yeah. And so thinking about who I want him to be, I pray that he will pick people over things, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is very broad. But I think for me, just being people first, caring about things second, that's something I struggle with. I'm very like task driven. I can get so consumed in housework that I'm not present with my family or, you know, I, I just really struggle with that. And then the other one is caring more about the inside than the outside. I want their sense of self to come. Uh, I want them to care more about uh, working on their character than working on their bodies. And yeah, I don't know if that's right, but I think again, it's because it's something I struggled with. And so I don't know if I, that's not even something you could measure. It's not like when they grow up, I'm like, I'm a successful parent because they, but I do right. think, you know, showing up, in ways that are meaningful in the world is important to me, whatever that means. Yeah, I think that I think that that's such a beautiful prayer. I think that ultimately those are my values. That like as for them to be successful people, you hope that they embed right. This is like the in the internal in, embedding embodiment of something. Those values and you and you're right. You won't know, but I think that the aspiration is that it will show up in their life's work, in terms of like who they surround themselves with and. And how they're how invested they're able to become in their relationships with people, um, regardless of their their physical manifestations. I, I think that that's I think that that makes sense. That that's a, those are clear, reasonable. I mean, this is the thing about measures of success, like what makes them reasonable and unreasonable, and who are we to judge each other's standards for mm-hmm. what success looks like? It's a hard thing, and in part because we're human, and you know we're we're so quick to come to judgment. I think we need to talk about small business success, but before we do that. I like how this conversation just had your mind going to thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Enough about children. Yeah, yes. Um, this is helpful, I think. Who is someone that you look at and say they are successful? And then what are the qualities about them or the things they've done? I, As I think about like what my day looks like today, I'm so actually grateful that we're talking about this now because it's going to give me a sense of like, like the brainstorm for what I hope will be a real deep dive about using this time this weekend, because this is what I intend to do, to just think about goal setting from a different perspective, um, and particularly in the context of partnering with someone. So I think that that, I want to have to come back to talking about like success in partnership. Yes. In intimate romantic partnership specifically, not business partnership, though that's also a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I think about that, I, I, I made a vision board um, in 2017 that... As actually, I was thinking about it literally last night. You know, we you know we dropped this 2021 lookbook, and I was thinking about this vision board. I made two of them actually. I made them at super late at night with this. I was sitting at a table at Kripalu, which is this yoga retreat center in the Berkshires of Massachusetts, um, and I went up there to take a a class in the art of authenticity. Like it was a positive psychology course. Wow. In in the art of authentic, authenticity, it was like the central kind of guiding conversation piece. And one of the things that we were tasked with doing in that time were to create vision boards. And I had heard about vision boards and I and I hadn't dismissed them. I had just never made one. So I, I just they didn't I didn't see the futility of them because it just wasn't my practice. So here I am, it's like two o'clock in the morning and I'm create working on a vision board with this eighty year old woman. <laughs> which was fascinating. And she had like Helen Mirren pictures all over her board, <laughs> which is not, you know, you talk about physical manifestations. Yeah. This was not her, but in her internal self, she was like, this is who she, this is who she was, right? Mm-hmm. This is like her person. And I started thinking about my person as I populated my board. And there were a couple of images of the, in, of women in particular. I mean, and again, this is like, 
It's like, what magazines are you pulling from when you're creating your vision board? And, and what does that say about you? But some, some people that emerged for me were um, Jessica Alba and Tori Birch. Those were like, and then um, the woman who founded Girl Boss, she came up in something. Oh, I forget her name. Yeah, she, the story for, with her didn't end that well. So that was, that was like my professional vision board. And I think at the time, I thought that the lives that Tori Birch had as the face of her brand, as a woman who was running this, this massive company that was doing, was so well known and shown up everywhere, that, that for my professional life, that's what I wanted for Grant Boulevard. And for Jessica Alba, I really liked the idea that she was playing in so many different lanes. Like she mm -hmm. was acting when she wanted to, and she was modeling when she wanted to, and she had three babies, and she started this company, the Honest Company. So the way that she was able to like be self-possessed and changing up in the lanes, mm -hmm. that was something I really, I really liked. I didn't like the idea of having to choose one identity and only be one thing. And I didn't have a whole lot of examples of women who weren't, who weren't choosing or didn't feel pressured, even if it wasn't like a real choice. It was like an implied cultural choice that they could only be one thing at a time. What I realize now, as I've like gone, come a lot closer to the execution of that vision board that I even, I, I didn't, I, who you never know, right? I, I really didn't know. Yeah. Is that Tori Birch, you know, she, she had a lot of money because of her, her ex-husband and that's how she was able to really quickly show up the way that she did. So it wasn't like she had this like grind from the bottom type thing. She had a lot of millions of dollars at her disposal. And one thing I didn't know about Jessica Alba is that if you're able to really move between all those lanes, I think there are two things that are happening simultaneously. One, you have a lot of personal help. You have like people who are helping you parent and people who are helping you manage your household and people who are manage helping your sense of style and managing your calendar. You have a team of people yes. who are working to manage all of those things and even with that team, you're exhausted, you, right? Like you are, I, I didn't have a sense of like, wow, if, if this, if I get what I want, I'm going to be so damn tired. <laughs> Do you know we had this conversation? 2011 stop it Sarah yeah are you serious yes that that is so interesting and I think it's even and more I, remarkable that you actually remember it well do you know why I remember it no <clears throat> I was taking a year off to pursue my PhD yeah. so I was about to take a leave of absence and I remember talking to you in the hallway I'm, I'm, I'm actually like school. closing my eyes and remembering that and most of the people that I told that I was thinking of doing this they were sort of like, do you really want to do that? It's a good job. It's stable. You might not come back. Like, this seems like a bad decision. Wow. And I remember you looked at me and you went, yeah, I've thought about that. I've thought about a sabbatical. I've thought about acting. I've thought about different things. I'm actually wrestling with that right now. And I remember you talking me through all these different roles that you wanted to fill and how encouraging that was for me. So that was nine years ago. Which is crazy. I also think it's crazy because I think that when we think about our lives, we think that things happen in a short like window. But yeah. when we think about it, oftentimes, and let me, we're going to have to really, I'm going to really let this marinate. The things that we speak into the universe, if we are really intentional, and I, and I hope we really do a deep dive at some point about the importance, the power of intention, intentionality and intuition, because those things I think sometimes go together. If we really get clear about what we're speaking into the universe, they come. 
And that's how we have to, we kind of have to just be mindful. Going back to the vision board, you know, like when I said, this is what I think is the direction I would, if I had my way and I could get what I wanted, this is what I think I'd like. This is how I think I'd like to show up. It isn't, it wasn't even like even getting what I wanted. It was, this is how I want to show up. And if, and if I, when I go back and look at the vision board, I actually have it framed in my bedroom. It's not even about like success as like, I'm going to have, we're going to sell this many garments and we're going to get this many magazines cover magazine covers. And we're going to, you know, get this many awards in the fashion space. It was just like, we, these are going to be the values and this is going to be the why. And, and I think that that's part of success. I think when we think about how we should be maybe thinking about the success as, a, as like a concept, it should be like, this is the purpose. This is the, this is how I want to show up in the world. This is how I'm feeling like I'm, I'm living, moving and stepping in a direction that feels like it's authentically me. Mm-hmm. And that's part for me. That's partly, I think maybe where success lives is in that work. It seems like from what you're vision boarding till now, full success, it's not doing everything because that, like you said, that's exhausting. It's impossible. We can't do everything really well at the same time. But there is something about living out the full expression of who you are as a person. And in order to do that, having different spaces that you occupy where you're doing different sorts of things. And I, and I think um, we see this in so many spaces where people who don't have the privilege of doing more than one thing <clears throat> and kind of expressing themselves in different ways it leads to all sorts of um, sadness, sadness, depression, you know, anxiety. Yes. Um, I want to bring up something that hit me when you were talking about what your goals are for Grant Boulevard. And this is specific to running a small business, but I think it's helpful to talk about <clears throat> the fact that sometimes the appearance of success is not success how people are perceiving it and how I think with social media and online presence, it can actually hurt companies in a way because it's easy to look and just like we can look at people's individual lives that are perfectly curated and think, oh, they're doing great. Their life is perfect. Their children are happy. Everything they own is beige. And (laughs) big. We want to appear successful because we want people to trust our brand, you know, we have to have it together. But at the same time, how do you encourage people to support small businesses and help them be sustainable? So success in terms of sustainable, where the company can continue to grow. Yeah, that is a super hard one, because I think that unless you look, unless you're creating a perception of success, this is professional, this is like the, for the small business, or for the for the for the personal brand, which is a whole nother conversation about how people became these these corporate entities. Like that's wild, but I think that for bo- in both of those directions, the perception of composure is what people are relying on to to just to trust mm-hmm. that that something is working well. And and I definitely think that social media has compounded the pressure to make things look shiny. Though I do think that you know when I think about social media and. And for me, I'm a low-key perfectionist. And I think, and I don't even know how low-key it is. Like, I actually wonder, like, when people, like, meet me, if they're like, no, she's legit out. She's, like, high-key. That is her perfectionism. It's <laughs> high legit high-key. Right? <laughs> but, but I think that people also appreciate a sense of, like, of groundedness and vulnerability and, and imperfection. And I think that this, the brands that are able to survive are ones that can show some of that, too. Mm-hmm. Some of that, like... Um, 
some of that grit and some of that like the behind the scenes of like yeah this is a grind and this is hard and I'm not so good about doing that and just because for me when I'm managing so much I just have to keep moving yeah and so whereas other people are like oh yeah let's stop and take a picture of process and let's stop and take a picture of the journey and I'm like yo I am in between literally four things and I don't have time to stop and take a picture and not nothing so (laughs) yeah yeah. I'm really good at being a mess (laughs) yes Yes, as evidenced by the bags that we carry. Like, oh my gosh! Yeah, we before we started talking, I was we we're doing a sound check. Speaking of process, um, and <laughs> doing making sure that everything was, was was sounding good, and I'm sitting here cleaning out my bag, and I'm like, oh look at this handful of crumbs! Look <laughs> at this, this, this gloves, and here's a sock. You have a twelve year old. You should not have crumbs. Can we just point that out? I, I have what? a two year old. I have. I'm drowning in crumbs. You know what? I will say this. I think that the crumbs actually are not about the 12-year-old. The crumbs are about me. (laughs) (laughs) Though she has her own crumbs. Um, It's just about, like, part of success is, like, you're moving all the time. Right? Like, and and don't get me wrong. That's only one way of being successful. You know, when I think about my long-term, one of my long-term ambitions is really to, to settle into a studio space in the middle of New Mexico where I can just paint and write poetry. Wow. And just have like these massive windows overlooking the mountains and the sunsets and the snow and the flora and the fauna and it's being still and it's not the kind of success that anyone can see. But for me, if I can arrive in, I don't know, 20, 25 years, I don't, I don't think I want to wait until I'm like, you know, really in, like struggling with my mobility to be able to be still. I want to choose still. And for me, success is getting to the place where it's like, yeah, I can afford to take care of myself and and subsist in this this feral, you know, but very like modern architecture style space. <laughs> you have it all planned out. Where's I that, do. Where's that New Mexico vision board? I know. Actually, it's funny that you say that. And then not really, because I was looking at a magazine this morning that I'm taking with me on the flight and it's destination. The magazine is destinations travel magazine. And I don't subscribe to many magazines, but I happen to have this one. And they have a spread where there are pictures of these amazing Adobe spaces. And I'm really looking forward to centering my conversation about success with my partner this afternoon around what does success look like, feel like for the scope of our life as we think about building one together. And and he will know that that little Adobe <laughs> castle are, is going to happen. That little cottage is in the plan. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, my word. That, um, okay, give me a second because mm-hmm. I had three questions and now I have to think of which one I want to say first. So talking about stillness and you're looking forward to stillness, that's something I've realized with the crazy right now. Like we're so busy. Our bags are full of crumbs, et cetera, et cetera. I have really over this pandemic have realized that I also have a choice. Like stillness is also an internal choice that can happen when the crumbs are happening. If we want to use the crumbs as an analogy where before, and this is something that my husband and I have talked about for our entire relationship, he makes a joke about it. He's like, you can't go to sleep at night unless the closet doors are closed. Meaning if I see clutter or things are crazy, I can't rest. And that's what I always say. Well, I just have to spend all of Saturday morning doing X, Y, and Z so then I can rest. And he's like, no, you don't rest even when this is put away. So for me, I feel like something I've been trying to do is choosing, okay, I'm running a business. I am a full-time teacher. I'm a mom. I'm these different things. 
but I also have a choice and I, and it, and there's negoci negotiations, right? You know, do I, is my end goal, is my end goal of success to have a perfect home? Is that my goal? If it is, then yeah, I need to spend so much time curating my home, designing my home, cleaning my home. Is that not my end goal? And it's not, I don't want it to be my end goal. Then I have to accept piles of laundry at times. I have to accept the crumbs at times. And I have to choose what will benefit that end goal. And I, I totally agree that that is that success is like finding that balance and giving yourself, giving ourselves space to know that we need to recalibrate that dinner every day. Yeah. Like what, what, you know, like, you know, in my, when I think about what I'm going to be recalibrating this weekend, which is my vision board, there, there are actually multiple things happening at one time versus it being like, I used to think that life was one straight linear line. And now what it feels more like is actually what is biorhythmically more logical for me, which is that it's a heartbeat. And there are several of them running at one time as we think about how we choose to identify. Mm -hmm. So success for me is, is, is just being mindful that for each of those things, they're on this longer path where I don't know where the end is and they're running simultaneously. You know, Hana, my daughter, she's going to keep, Get it. She's going to keep aging. And so her heartbeat will, you know, she'll have this like success for me as her mother. We're making sure that she continues to run cross country, that she continues to, to be a reader, that she, you know, can go away to school and, and be, be on her own and be good. When I think about, you know, these other aspirations that I have, they run success is like managing them all mm -hmm. and knowing that there's going to be ups and downs. And sometimes that happens over the course of a day. It's yes. wild to me how it's like, you know, something really awesome happens and then as I forget about it and then I, for, I it doesn't feel as as big after a few hours, it wears down. Um, and success for me is actually figuring out how to actually be still and present enough, like kind of like thinking back to what you were thinking about being still, to be able to be on that ride. Like not to, for it to be happening to me, but for me to be aware of it. And yeah. that's a different relational position with movement, I think. And that's ultimately what I think one definition of success is movement. And, and I think we have to change our relational position to movement so that we can appreciate the, the journey. actually over the past six months because my husband Brandon he works in the television industry the industry basically shut down when COVID shut down and he's freelance so we always know that his work will come to an end and then there will be something new it's been that way for years doesn't make it any easier but he's been working on this documentary for the past few years and he's not paid to do it it's a passion project and he never has time to work on it because he's working these crazy long hours. So now he finally has this time to work on it. But there's all these feelings of guilt because he doesn't have that full-time job that's paying, that's bringing money into our family. And we had this confrontation in the bathroom one day when we were just talking about things. And I was like, what do you want your legacy to be? You're such a good wife. <laughs> 
I swear. I, if Brandon drops the ball, no. I'm picking it up. Brandon, don't drop that ball. But I was just like, if I said, if you get a full-time job today and you do not tell this story, you're going to have guilt again. And you're going to be upset and you're going to be complaining to me <laughs> that you didn't get to tell the story. I said, what legacy are you passing down to our children? They know you've been to Africa. They see these photos in our house. We talk about it all the time. You need to finish what you started because it needs to be out there, not because it's going to make you successful in the you know traditional sense, not because you're going to make money from it. And you know he's in the mindset worried about finances. And I said, if we have zero dollars in our bank account, but we have pursued our passions, we've been telling meaningful stories, I'd rather live that life then be able to, you know, say that we're quote unquote financially secure, but we're killing ourselves doing things that aren't meaningful. Yeah, that is such a hard thing. And I, I think about I think about success as also being this idea of both of both the the play, like the experimentation, which is, you know, what you're thinking about what Brandon is pursuing as like the experimentation of doing something that feels kind of soul aligned. But I also think success is about the execution. You know, when every time we we I release something new, a new collection, um, even thinking about the this podcast as another experiment, it's like it's it's a beautiful thing for me. Part of success is is experimenting with things that I feel called to play with, and the other part of what successful people have been able to do is to not just complete a body of work, but then to be vulnerable enough to present it. And I think that that's what we have to really be committed to doing mm -hmm. is like. That, that step to say, I think I want to play in this direction. I'm going to do it. I'm making time to do it out of an active commitment. And I'm going to see it through to what I feel is the end. And and I think when, you know, thinking about Brandon, having talked to Brandon about this project, we have these, these muses that come. This is how I like to frame it. These muses, these spirit guides that come to us and, and, and really like, it's almost like they tap our shoulder and then turn our bodies in the direction of something that will feel good for us. Mm -hmm. And, and success because success is about joy and it's about legacy is is having the courage to step in the direction of how that muse how that spirit guide how that larger universal energy um pivots you and then to just take one step after the next in that direction until that muse that spirit guide comes back and does a redirection yeah and i think it's hard because that's not really what our society that's not the message we're getting from society the message we're getting from for from society is that we need to pursue security financially we need to pursue um, recognition in a sense where we're publicly accepted by the most people as possible and a lot of that intuitive listening and following doesn't necessarily line up with that but I do think that that I, well, I should say this. I think that's true. And when I think about the people who, not the Jessica Albas or the Tory Burches, who are mythical creatures, right? I don't know them personally. When I think about the people who I know personally, who, who I really admire how they're able to build their own lanes, they are actually doing both. Mm. They are taking the step to listen to the muse and, and position themselves. They're moving and they're able to be so clear about where they want to be headed that they're actually able to find a way to monetize it. Hmm. And I think that, and to get recognition for it and to, you know, align their, their public personas with their, with their private kind of thinkings. And I think that the reason why they're able to do that is because success requires each of us to be very clear with ourselves about what we want and then to be very um, bold 
about make putting that out that in the, in the world that persona those like those values out in the world so that other people can can see them and and then evaluate them and ideally we can find our tribe because they'll align with us and and that's not easy none of that is easy work and none of that is short-term work it's that those are that's like that's that's many that's a 2011 you know many yeah. years of of like directional push and i think sometimes it's awesome when we have our own circles of people that will push us and and for a lot of us we have to figure out how to do that on our own yeah i think it's good that you talk about it not being short term because i've seen a lot of people give up before it even had a chance whatever it is whatever the it is um i'm curious this is more nitty-gritty when you started grant boulevard what were your metrics <laughs> i was did- still working on those Right. And I know they evolve. Yeah, but they do. They do evolve. And now, you know, now as I'm like, you know, even getting more savvy about just about just about business in general and industries in general and thinking about, you know, even like shifting my language around them, like moving from this notion of metrics to key performance indicators to KPIs. That is something that, right. Let's talk about that. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, Because we're right now we're in the process of thinking about we're, we're going, it's not even a matter we're working through our B Corps application. And so, you know, so we should, I guess just a pause. Cause you know, you all, I, we're so glad that you're here, but you may not even know what Grand Boulevard is. So Grand Boulevard is a company that I founded in 2017. It's a sustainable apparel company that's really committed to sourcing fabrics in a way that's sustainable, but also thinking about building these like intersectional solutions to these larger issues that are ultimately rooted in the history of the country, specifically mass incarceration as a, as a longer kind of um, result, outcome of the country's investment in slavery. So how do we do that? You know, in the beginning it was figuring out how to take fabric that already exists and reimagine it, and we still do that. We just launched a collection called Grant Boulevard Zero, which is what we've been, we've been doing. We've just been thinking about branding, another business term, right? Thinking about how we're branding things. So we're, we have this collection, Grant Boulevard Zero, which is like, just reimagine menswear, like reclaim pieces that belong to men uh, sometimes vintage pieces, sometimes contemporary pieces that we put new sauce on and, and actually completely talk about that word, that word pivot I used earlier. We pivot the position of a garment in the world. We, re- we reposition them. And then we have another collection that we launched literally last, last night that we've been working on for months. It's just called Grant Boulevard, which is a, a different kind of bolder investment in um, things that are can essentially be mass, not, not mass produced because that's just not even... But that's like the language that we know. Pieces that can be made on a repeat versus mm-hmm. the one of one that Grant Boulevard is, right? So it's like these really cool trouser pants. You can check out the website. But anyways, <laughs> um, in thinking about Grant Boulevard and metrics forward, it was like, how are we thinking about our environmental impact? And how are we thinking about our social impact? And and then really being specific about how we want that to look. And we, I mean, profitability is one that businesses can't ignore either, right? So how are we pricing things to make sure that we are able to cover our costs and, and pay for our team to have what is, you know, not necessarily the wage I want to give people, but certainly one that is, is that is a living, living-ish wage. Um, because even, that's like such a moving target, yeah. right? Like that's such a moving target. And because we're a small um, company and we're a startup, we're on a, the journey is, we're at the beginning of a journey, right? These mm-hmm. last two years have been, uh, it's just seismic growth. Even in this last year, since the pandemic, we've launched two collections and each lookbook was better than the last. That is like one of those key performance indicators that for me is about like the celebration of the body of the work and about our creative process and about the growth of our team. Those are all metrics that I think that as business owners in particular, we have to we have to consider those too. And the health of our team, like people who are mm. my employees 
And and it's crazy now that I have five. My paid my five paid employees, which it, it, I know it's, it's like that may sound like a small thing, but no, that's huge to me. That's not, and, and like, I was just telling you, I have point. Two exactly percent exactly employee and I, and I have a friend Rachel who who runs she has a much older brand a much larger brand she has sixty employees I'm like Rachel how yeah. and you say you stay in the game long enough and I think it happens yeah you know like you just got to keep grinding but um, my empl- my team they love each other mm-hmm. they love the work and they love each other and that's the kind of thing that capitalism as we've been exposed to it it doesn't teach us to even think of when we think about metrics for for performance. But for me, as a business leader in this social entrepreneurial space, and as someone who's so committed to reimagining so many things that are broken, including the nature of capitalism as we've been taught it. um, And and again, I don't even know if that reformation is possible because capitalism might just be so much trash that it really actually can't be fixed. But they love each other and they love the work and that's the kind of thing where it's like there's no measure anywhere yeah. that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna give me credit for that or or give us you know a pat on the back for that but i'm like no we're winning because we're happy well but that goes back to your definition of success and i think that's what you really have to drill into and and it'll change but before you launch something like what do i actually want this to be and i remember i i started my company a year ago, which is an e-publishing company, very different, but I got um, free fi- five free coaching sessions with a friend of ours who does business coaching. And which was, was that helpful? It was very helpful. It was very helpful. Can you put me in touch with her? Yes. Okay. She's in real estate. And so she's in a different industry. Actually, I think that's helpful. It too. was, I think yeah. it was so helpful, but she one of the best things, one of, okay, my biggest takeaway from the sessions, and this was a month into launching, was this idea of capacity. She had said, so we were just trying to publish as many books as possible. And she said, well, how many books can you publish in a month? And I went, I have no idea. And she's like, you need to figure that out. And then you need to have slots and you need to have a schedule. And when you're planning out your calendar, you need to know that that is the max number you can do. And that's how we built our entire publication schedule, just based on that conversation. And it still served us a year later. So thinking about my physical path and really drilling down, how many hours does it take you to edit a work? How many hours do you spend getting an author? Just all these different things. But she said to me, you know, what's your goal? What's What would be a good goal for you in terms of sales? And I just went, I don't know. I have no idea what what money we should be making, what money we could be What's making. What's a reasonable amount of, of, yeah, of, of money like, to say you want to make? Right? And she said, well, if you ever wanted to do this full time, how many books per day would you have to sell? And I went, I don't know. And she's like, well, you have a calculator. You could figure that out. And so she said, I want you to figure it out. And I want you to have a goal. And even if it seems crazy right now, just to have and see what your end goal is. And so that was just really interesting for me. And and I met with an author recently who wanted to publish with us and we have such high margins because we give most of our profits to authors. So I don't think we'll actually make money selling books. I think we'll have to find other creative ways to make money. But she asked me, how do you how do you make money? How does the company make money? And I said, we're still figuring that figuring out. that out. Right. But when we launched that, that wasn't our goal. Our goal was to provide a space. The goal and was to disrupt. Exactly. And so, and I think that's okay. And we don't have enough people. At least I didn't have enough people saying that's okay. 
I think it totally is okay. I think that that is an, an incredible conversation and a gift that you're able to have it. And I think that this idea of balancing the the goal as being disruption and the goal of being profitability and self depend you know self reliance, they're they're actually I think that particularly as women they have to be non negotiable. Mm-hmm. And and I think that for those of us who who see how problematic so much of how things are structured now is, we don't want to. Rep- I know for me, I don't want to replicate systems that I think are toxic. At the same time, we have to get better about not being these like self sacrificial martyrs. Yes. Cause that's not cute. And so, <laughs> right. And that's the balance of thinking about success is like, I want to do good, but at the same time, I'm not trying to, to, to drown myself or to, to die a life of, of, of poverty. Right. Or drown other people. Or dr- and and, that, that, and that's, that's, that's the thing though. That's the last thing I'm going to do. Like I would actually yes. rather, you know, do that to myself than do it to other people. Well, and you saying that you're trying to pay your team, you're making them happy. That's what I'm realizing now. And maybe in the beginning I could do it on my own. I can't do it on my own now. So I need to pay this person a few hours a week and I need to pay that person a few hours a week. That's all I can afford. But I need to make sure that now the goal for profitability is also for the team, right? The team needs to have that sustainability. So, And then what comes next? is once you take care of your team, you set goals where you can where success includes taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because that is something that, as I think about what needs to come for Grand Boulevard in year three, it's success for the for, for the company from the perspective of the CEO is, is that, okay, y'all are happy and I'm making sure that you get what you need and that you feel cared and loved and tended to and y'all got the best coffee machine and <laughs> the best snack bar. And I was like, okay, what does, what do I as CEO, how am I factoring myself into that same sense of monetary, um, it's equity, right? It's just equity. It's about equity. It's funny you brought up coffee machine Mm -hmm. because you've told me before that when you take people out to coffee for Grand Boulevard, you're paying for it. Yeah. It's coming from your own money. That is so true. That is, it's still, and that is still absolutely true. I don't, and I think that for part of that's like partly bookkeeping. It's like just keeping things clean. It's like, I don't want to have to try to figure out which expenses were my private expenses. Yep. There, you know, when it comes to owning a, a small business, particularly as a, a woman, specifically as a, a, a black woman, there aren't a whole lot of, um, I don't have a whole lot of mentors about like, we'll do this and don't do this. So I'm really just, um, Nevada, one of my business partners, she says, is just doing it off the muscle. It's like you're just I like love that. I love it too. It's like just doing it off the strength of what your intuition says will make sound sense, and then thinking about like you know you're reflecting in your in your practice and you're you're looking at the numbers and you're trying to make it all make sense. Um, but a lot of it is just this intuition and it's a little bit of guesswork. And I think that that's that's like the if you take off the veil and the masking around business ownership, that's what a lot of creatives are. Particularly if these are businesses that are run by creatives. That's what creatives are doing is they are literally problem solving every single day and then trying their best to keep up with all of the, the minor recalibrations that need to happen to keep a machine moving. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, as I think as parents and as people who are always so mindful of how do we how do we dilute everything, you know, kind of like percolate it down into something that's digestible for, for, for little people and for, for, for kids, even if they're not quite so little, <laughs> what do we tell the kids about success? That's a question for you, Dr. Sarah. Oh my goodness. I think what I would want to tell the kids about success 
is that success is personal and success is also influenced by the things around us. And so in pursuing success, we really need to ask what our end goal is and then what matters to get to that end goal. And, and to not be afraid to pursue a definition of success that we don't see. I think that that is a lovely definition. When I think about Hana, I would like for her to know that success is making decisions that are tied to a real consciousness about how she is with how she's how she's setting up with her decisions what her legacy will be and and that success is about i think it's about landing in this sweet spot of a sense of self-satisfaction that you can really only feel when you work really hard at something and you've given it everything you had um, knowing that people were watching and knowing that you couldn't control how they would receive or perceive your effort. Um, but success is, is being vulnerable and courageous enough to do things that feel good for you and that align with how you want to be remembered. School for Disruptors is recorded in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, produced and edited by us with music from Laura O'Shea. You can catch up with O'Shea on Instagram at It's Pronounced O'Shea, and you can also catch us there at School for Disruptors, or send us an email, schoolfordisruptors at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.